Hello and welcome to another episode of Scratcom Talks. I'm your host, Jafar Hasnan. Today, we are going to talk about one of the most pressing issues of our times, the rise of Islamophobia. There are certainly many questions on our minds these days, and uh, one of them is how to best combat Islamophobia. To discuss this with us today, joining me, Dr. Enes Bayrakli. He is an associate professor of international relations at the Turkish German University. Dr. Bayrakli, thank you very much for taking out the time for this important podcast. Thank you for having me. Dr. Bayrakli, like I said in the introduction to this uh, podcast, uh, the rise of Islamophobia is perhaps one of the most pressing issues of our times. I want to begin this discussion by asking you, how dangerous is Islamophobia? Islamophobia is quite dangerous. It is affecting the lives of the Muslims uh, all around the globe, not only in the West, but we see this in India, for instance, that Muslim people are being lynched on the street just because they are Muslim. Or we see this also in the United States, people are being killed because they are Muslim, or we see this also in Europe, of, of course. And it can even lead to genocide. That's what happened in Srebrenica in 1995. So when we talk about Islamophobia, we are not only talking about discrimination or hate speech. We are also talking about actions. So we are talking about terror attacks. We are talking about killings. So it's quite dangerous. And it's making the life of Muslims quite difficult, especially in the West. And not only this, but also it affects uh, also the Western democracies. So by using the fear of Islam and Muslims, the European politics is being, I mean, is becoming more and more authoritarian. It's shifting towards more far right, the rhetoric and the policies. And there is a general shift in the Western politics towards more and more towards uh, far right. Now, and when I'm talking about here right policies, it's only not only about far right parties or conservative parties, but also we see increasing the more and more social democratic parties or green parties. They are more and more adopting an anti-refugee stance. Uh, they are supporting the headscarf bans and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Okay, now certainly, as I understand from what you have just said. Islamophobia is not limited to any particular region. It can be found in many different parts of the world. There is a rise in Islamophobia, for example, in India. But I want to focus on the West for a second here. Now, Dr. Bayrakli, recently we have witnessed a sharp increase in Islamophobic attacks, for example, in countries like France, Hungary, Germany. Tell me, what do you think has prompted this rise in Islamophobic attacks or Islamophobia in the West? I think this is an accumulation of uh, a long-term, I mean, uh, long-term, you know, fear-mongering against Muslims in the West. So it started, of course, Islamophobia has an historical background. I mean, we can talk about it. What we are witnessing now is the, that a, a wave of hate uh, speech and media campaign against Muslims started after 1990s especially after the end of the Cold War. But then this has also increased after the 9-11 attacks. So gradually we have seen that Muslims has become a, you know, a security issue. Uh, Muslims are securitized by Western uh, media and the Western political elites. 
And uh, this is uh, then at the end of today, what we see today in France is not a recent phenomenon, but in recent years, it has become more and more visible in France, especially. In France, we are here talking about a state Islamophobia, you know, an Islamophobic campaign against Muslims, the rights of Muslims carried out by the state. The government there is implementing policies, adopting laws, discriminating or limiting the religious rights of Muslims. So this is a, what we call institutionalized Islamophobia. In Germany and other countries, I mean, you know, if you read uh, in the Western media, I mean, if you read German newspapers or watch French TV or French newspapers, there are studies about this, but the image of Muslims and Muslims most of the time, more than 95% of the news coverage about Muslims are very uh, negative all the time. And of course, I don't find it then surprising that people on the street you know, hate Muslims. They are discriminating against Muslims. So this is a natural outcome of this media campaign, I would say. And that's why there is an increased attack, be it verbal or physical or, uh, you know, discrimination against Muslims in the Western societies, generally speaking. Of course, there are exemptions in some countries, it is more visible and in other countries, it's more, I mean, uh, less. Yeah. Okay, so I think you have made some very interesting points here. For example, as you say, this is an accumulation of fear-mongering. But if you have to name one shifting point, what would that be? It would be 9-11, of course. However, it would be, I would say, the main breaking point here was the end of the Cold War. After the end of the Cold Islam and Muslims has replaced the enemy of the West, which was the communism and the Soviet Union in the past. So gradually, we've seen that a narrative has been built and developed by the intellectuals, academics, be it clash of civilizations, be it other publications, and that has problematized, securitized Muslims. And then we have seen that Islam has been gradually associated with terrorism and violence. And uh, of course, this happened during this time. So there was this uh, buildup of these you know, sentiments. So 9-11, of course. But when we talk about 9-11, we have to be careful because then there is this narrative that because of 9-11, because of all this happened in 9-11, these terror attacks, there is Islamophobia. People are, you know, people are afraid of Muslims because 9-11 happened. You know, more than 3,000 innocent people, they have been killed. They lost their lives. However, I think this leads somehow a justification of Islamophobia. Because at the end of the day, a terrorism is a phenomenon that you find in every society. There are different terrorist groups who are acting on behalf of certain ethnic groups or religions. However, why Islam is solely or only associated with terrorism, that's the question that we have to ask. And that's why I think I'm a bit skeptical about making this linkage between you know, 9-11 and the rise of Islamophobia. Uh, I would say lots of people have used 9-11 in order to start an Islamophobic campaign because at the end of the day, in Turkey also, we are facing uh, radicalized people who are claiming that they are acting in the name of Islam, who carried out terror attacks and killed innocent people here in Turkey, etc. And all these terror organizations, Al-Qaeda, Daesh, if you look at the victims of these terror organizations, overwhelming majority of uh, victims are Muslims. So I think that's very problematic and we have to be careful here. 
Right. I want to just uh, follow up on one uh, point that you have made that, especially in media, we see people wrongfully associating Islam and Muslims with terrorism. In fact, uh, there are some uh, words uh, as well that is that are widely used in media, words uh, such as uh, Islamist, Islamic terrorism. I want to do some self-reflection here for a second. Do you think it's partly our mistake as Muslims that we did not raise our voice when media started to use such kind of terminology against <clears throat> us? Or do you think we did raise our voice and we were not heard? I think that would be the, then the victim blaming. I think, uh, of course, Muslims can do more. And, uh, you know, Islamic societies, Muslim societies or Islamic states, uh, they can do more. However, I don't think that's the problem here because we have to look and understand the phenomenon of racism here. I think that is what we are missing. Racism is not about, not about uh, victims. Racism tells us more about the mentality of the racist. So if you look at all these Islamophobic narratives, campaigns, it's not because Muslims are doing something wrong or Islamic societies, Muslim societies have certain problems. All societies, they have these kind of problems. I mean, and it, this is not happening because of these problems. And when we say this, I, we don't say that Muslims don't, they don't have any problem. Muslim societies, they have a problem with violence against women. Muslim societies have a problem with radicalization, terrorism. You can, you can name it. However, I think uh, when we look at this campaign against Muslims, it's not about what Muslims are doing right or wrong. It's more about the racist mentality and the logic, the ideology that is driving all these, I mean, hate campaigns against Muslims. Uh, Jean-Paul Sartre, he has famously said, if there wasn't a Jew, the, the anti-Semite would invent him. So this is, I mean, the anti-Semite, they are against Jews that they, you know, that they have created in their own mind, you know. So they are not enemy or they are not hating the reality of the Jewish people, you know. They are, they are constructing a Jew in their own mind and then they are hating it. And it is the same applies to, uh, you know, Islamophobia and Muslims, you know. And this is, this is a reality that you are also witnessing in the, especially in, you are in contact with people who are not non-Muslim they would say, oh, you are a nice person, you know. Uh, I wish all the Muslims would be like you, right? Uh, however, most of the time, I mean, overwhelming majority uh, of Muslims are people like you and me, right? Uh, and that shows us that they are, uh, there is an imaginative, you know, Muslim that, that is being, you know, uh, constructed by the racist, by the Islamophobe. All these negative, you know, characters are attributed to Muslim being violent, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then they are hating this. So that's, I think that's why we are saying that this has nothing to do with the reality of Muslims and the Islamic societies. I think, and that's how it's to be understood, I think. That's a great point, Dr. Bayrakli. The reason I asked you this question is because, for example, except for President uh, Erdogan and the Pakistani prime minister and the former prime minister of uh, Malaysia, many Muslim leaders have largely remained silent about the mm -hmm. rise of Islamophobia, especially in the West. So what I mean to ask is, do you think unity is required among the major Muslim nations in order to efficiently and effectively combat the rise of Islamophobia in the West? I think uh, here is, a, of course, this is an interesting point. There is an Islamophobia industry in the West, and it is being supported by certain groups, individuals, 
However, there are also people from the Muslim world and certain Muslim countries are supporting this Islamophobia industry. Why? Then we have to understand the Islamophobia. Islamophobia has two dimensions. One is domestic. The second is related to foreign policy of the West. Uh, domestic dimension is about disciplining and assimilating Muslims, and that's uh, why it is being how it is being used in domestic politics. But uh, when it comes to foreign policy, by using Islamophobia and fear of Muslims, we see that some Western governments are justifying their foreign policies, their interventions in the Muslim world, and their support of anti-democratic countries and, uh, of course, dictatorships. So. They are saying then they are justifying their support of uh, these dictators in the Islamic world, Muslim world. They are saying if you do not support these people, then if there are you know democratic processes in the Muslim world, then certain individuals will come to power. This is against our interests. So that's why I think in the Muslim world, some leaders, most of the time, and most of the leaders in the Muslim world, unfortunately, their interests, their personal interests, are aligned with the with the. With the Western uh, countries, they don't have a policy to act against Islamophobia. On the contrary, they are benefiting from this fear of Muslims in the West. So by using this, they are justifying also their power, uh, their grip in the government in those countries. Right. Now, uh, Dr. Bayrakli, I work in news and almost on a weekly basis, I hear about Islamophobic attacks. Now, you mentioned that there are some entities within the West which are actively reinforcing the notion of Islamophobia. But is it just limited to those entities? For example, just about uh, two years ago, in towards the end of 2019, President Emmanuel Macron of France said something along the lines that Islam is a religion which is in crisis across the world. I mean, this is an outrageous statement for mm. a president to make. So tell me, to what extent do you think politicians like uh, President Emmanuel Macron are complicit in exacerbating Islamophobia in the West? Of course, uh, when we are talking about these certain individuals and groups, these are the, they are the main actors. However, what we have seen in the last decade that Islamophobia has become mainstream. So it is now normal in mainstream parties to talk you know, about Muslims in this way, like Macron did, right? Uh, Macron, at the end of the day, he is a liberal politician. When he was elected, he was portrayed as being the hope of the liberalism in the West, right? But then at the end of the day, after two years' time, three years' time, this is what he has become. You know, He has become the face of Islamophobia in Europe. So this is what we call the mainstreaming of Islamophobia. So uh, it is not only, as you said, limited to certain groups, but uh, you can find it, as I mentioned also previously, in the Green parties, in the Social Democratic parties. So it is not only confined to Marine Le Pen anymore in, in France. So it has become normalized, Islamophobic language. And of course, this is very boring. Indeed it is. Now, uh, Dr. Bayrakli, uh, I know that you recently co-authored a report on Islamophobia in Europe. Europe. It is called European Islamophobia Report. Please help our audience understand what were the key findings of that report. If you could please summarize it for our listeners. Yeah, this is a report that we've been publishing annually since 2015. And the last edition we published almost one month ago. 
2020 European Islamophobia Report. The report is online available, can be downloaded by, from europeanislamophobiareport.com. And in the year 2020, we've seen that because of the COVID pandemic, there were lockdowns globally. However, Islamophobia has shifted from street to uh, online space. So there were more and more hate speech towards Muslims in the online sphere, especially social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And there was an increase in, in this field. And secondly, we've seen that, especially in the countries like France, Islamophobia has been legalized. So there were laws passed by the parliaments in Europe, in this case also in France, like the anti-separatism law, which targeted Muslims openly and which discriminated against Muslims openly. And this is a very worrying development. These two are very, I think, are the main findings of this report. Of course, the report is very long. Each country has different circumstances and there are specific policy recommendations for each country. But these are the two main developments that we've seen in, the, in, the, in, in, in Europe. All right. Now, uh, Dr. Bayrakli, before I let you go, a very important question for you which happens to be the main theme of our discussion today, how to best combat Islamophobia, because this is something uh, we wonder on an individual level as well. For example, I remember when I was uh, in the United States, I used to wonder, what should I tell my friends, my non-Muslim friends uh, about Islam so that their belief, uh, uh, that, un that this unfounded fear that they have about Islam in their minds could change. So as someone who has researched on this topic as someone who has published reports on Islamophobia over the past uh, few years. Tell me what would be your advice to in individuals on how to best combat Islamophobia? I think in order to combat Islamophobia or in order to solve any problem, we have to understand the nature of the problem. So first, I think the Muslims themselves have to learn about Islamophobia and the nature of the Islamophobia, which is racism. So shortly, uh, we describe or define Islamophobia as anti-Muslim racism. That's it. So when we understand this as a racism problem, then we can start you know, developing strategies to combat it. But most of the time, we see that Muslims are adopting an apologetic attitude towards this problem. They are saying Islam is a religion of peace. Muslims are not bad, bad people. This is not the way to deal with this problem because, as I mentioned previously, it has nothing to do with the reality of the Muslims. It is um, a fear that is being constructed by certain elites in order to justify their, their own policies and gains. So that's the, that's the first step. The second is also we have to educate ourselves and our NGOs about the nature of this problem. And then second, of course, Muslims have to develop strategies and find allies to you know, uh, combat this problem. And then, of course, we have to understand also that we are facing a colossal problem here. It is not about prejudice against Muslims. It's, we are not talking here about common people's prejudice against Muslims that you, you know, that you can find anywhere in the world. You know, if you go to Muslim world, if you go in, in Istanbul, go to the street and ask people about, you know, uh, some other countries, other religions, they have certain prejudice uh, against uh, other religions and other countries. That's normal, that you will find this in every society. However, when this starts to become a, a government policy, 
and uh, there is a you know coordinated campaign by elites, academic elites, or you know political elites. Then it be, it becomes a problem, and that that's what we have to target here. So we have to understand that Islamophobes they are hating Muslims and Islam. It's not because they don't know Muslims and Islam. They know what they are doing. So it's a political project, and in order to deal with this problem, we have to first understand this. We are not. As I said, talking about, you know, the prejudice of the common people, you can solve this problem by getting into contact with these people. When they are friends with you, they will understand Islam and Muslims, and then they will have less fear. But this is not the problem here. I mean, so it's a fear that's being constructed by elites for their own political project. And that's what we have to understand, I think. Dr. Bayrakli, this was such a thought-provoking discussion. And, uh, you know, as I understand from what you have just told us, Islamophobia is real and impacting us in more dangerous ways than ever before. Uh, Dr. Bayrakli, thank you very much for taking out the time for this. Uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thanks to our audience for tuning in. Goodbye for now.